I became fascinated with looking at things where they fall in a, for lack of a better word, on a timeline. You might find out something about that story that could not be anything but God. Now you're reading that and you're thinking, why do I care about idiots? Yeah, and listening to it going, I don't want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'm a snake. I'm a slitherous snake. I'm a snake of snake. <laughs> you have the potential to do great evil or to do great good. Because what you see when you begin to look at history is that we're all connected. This is History Through the Eyes of Faith with Angie Ferris, and I'm your host, Frank Rains Jr., along with producer Wes. Thanks for listening. Welcome, History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. I just said that if you heard the intro. This is Frank Rains Jr., along with producer Wes, featuring Angie Ferris. It's episode 12. One, two, mm. 12. I think of Joe Namath, number 12. I think of biblical number. Well, some people may think of Tom Brady. Isn't he 12 or is he 15? 12. A biblical number, 12. I think of a dozen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if every episode we need to go through the number stuff like we did in 11 no, and 12. No, we just did it on 11, so you're jumping yeah. into 12. We were recording groups. Yeah. So. And this is 12 of how many you think? How many episodes do you think we're going uh, to I'm not going there. An infinity of episodes. Um, we just, just hope we just keep improving and, and if, being interesting. And if, you did, if you didn't listen to 11, we started a little contest. Not, it wasn't a contest, a game to try to figure out what's in the aluminum foil. <laughs> and we're recording 11 and 12 on the same day to try to get ahead. So don't think that whatever was in the foil last week has still been a week and it's in the foil. <laughs> it's really the same day. But there's something in the aluminum foil that Angie brought into the studio that I'm thinking is Mima's coffee cake or pumpkin bread or banana bread or maybe a muffin, a blueberry muffin or something. But it's in the shape of a Twinkie. <laughs> And she said a minute ago, I'm about ready to open up that aluminum foil. Ready to get in that. <laughs> what did, what clue did I give at the end? That it's uh not it's from your house, but it's not yours. No, I said it you're close, but it's not from my house. I'm close, but it's with not with the Mima's coffee cake that you were close, but oh, it's okay. not from my house. So that is it from, from... It has never been to my house. Oh, it's never been to your house. Mm-mm. And so I'm going to say that it came from a friend uh, that's, that she saw this morning. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the day, she saw someone and they said, here, let me give you some of this. Sort of. Sort of? Okay. Actually, little backstory. Okay. This person was preparing this thing that's in there Mm -hmm. and put it up on social media. Ooh, look what I'm making. And my husband saw it last night. And Mm. he's like, when can we come over? And she said, I'll see you tomorrow. Is her name Lindsay? No. She said, I'll see you tomorrow. And so then. Huh. Yeah. It would be something you would eat as a dessert. 
some people would. Okay. So it's not like a, a mini corn dog. No. Okay. No. Yeah. And there's some more fun stuff that go with the delivery of it. Is it a cinnamon roll? Yes. <laughs> it is. It's a cinnamon roll. But actually, where you see this, it's that is about a fifth of what was given to us. Okay. So, so somebody has eaten four-fifths of it. No, not, not that I know of yet. What happened was, and it was really cute because her little boy came up and he was like, here, you know, and he was like, He's like two and kind of talking and just wanted to give it to us. Give it to Angie Tim. Angie Tim wouldn't give it to Angie Tim. So he gave it to Tim and um, was unsure about Tim keeping it for a little while, <laughs> but became okay with that. But then as, as Tim and I were parting our ways and I was coming to the studio to record, he said, don't you want some? So he was trying to figure out how to get me some. So he opened up the foil that he had, pulled out a piece and wrapped it back up in the full. Okay. But honestly, I just walked in the studio and we've been talking. I just sat it down and never said a word about it. No. So Yeah. Well, now we know what it is. But you're not going to be able to eat it nope. while we talk. Because we're talking. But I will. I like, you know, I like to start out an episode with some fun facts that just come to mind. Okay. And so stream of consciousness, cinnamon roll. I'm going to tie that back to history through the eyes of faith. Oh, good. Let's go. Well, I'm going to tie it back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. This would have been uh, in Nashville in, I'm going to say, 99. Mm, wow. 98, 99. If, if you're from Nashville in Middle Tennessee, um, down near uh, Wedgwood, there's a road called Belmont Boulevard, which is where Belmont University is. Belmont Boulevard, um, there's a place right across from Belmont University called, uh, uh, what's the coffee place? It, a, lot of, a lot of people may sell it. Why can't I think of it? It starts with a B. Uh, it's the Bongo Java. Yeah, there we go. Bongo Java Coffee Roasters. The original Bongo Java is there at Belmont Boulevard. It might be the only one, but they sell their coffee to other places around Nashville and then other coffee shops like Fido, I think, is a Bongo Java coffee shop. A little plug for those places. Um, anyway, there was a, a, an employee at Bongo Java in the late 90s. His name is Todd Truly. And uh, he's an actor. And uh, he opened up a box of cinnamon rolls to be put out uh, for sale. And he goes, Oh my gosh. That cinnamon roll looks just like Mother Teresa. Mm. You remember this? Mm-mm. It became known as the nun bun. Oh. And they had it in a case at the front of the coffee shop. <laughs> they had it ornated, you know, like how people do Mother Mother Mary. It was called the nun bun, and they had it like solidified and shellacked. And it did look like Mother Teresa. My goodness. And I think it was on Conan O'Brien. I think it got national attention. That uh, Bongo Java was the home of the nun bun. And I think it has disappeared. I think there might be a little true crime story around the disappearance of the nun bun. Mm. I think somebody stole it. Again, this is over 20 years ago. So you're getting a little bit of history. History through the eyes of faith. Also, the cinnamon roll that looked like Mother Teresa there at you Bongo go. Java. You could probably Google the nun bun, Nashville, Tennessee, and... Uh, 
So there's the, there's the connection. There you go. We've got a cinnamon roll in the studio. But we don't know what it looks like. <laughs> That'll be the <laughs> next episode. We will. Because in the break, we'll you're going to open it. And we will decide. Up on the website, you'll see a picture of the cinnamon roll. <laughs> and we're going to say, does that look like... Uh, I think that looks a little bit like Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it looks like um, Angela Lansbury. Uh, okay. <laughs> Which reminds me of another story, but I'm not telling it. <laughs> you're, you're moving too far down. You no, can't. there was one time we watched. Remember when Tyson was fighting? And it was him and Holyfield, and it was around that. Why are you not taking a picture of the thing? I'm in the background of that. I know. That makes it legit. Anyway, we were watching one of these fights. You're in there with the pregnancy test. But for the listeners, there's not a pregnancy (laughs) test in here. Next to the cinnamon roll, she has a digital pointer that I said looks like a pregnancy (laughs) test. It's not one. Anyway, but you'll see on the website. Um, no, I was going to say the thing about Angela Lansbury is that we were watching boxing. This was, again, another 20-some-odd years ago. And everybody get excited, and they get the pay-per-view, and they get over at the house, and they're watching this fight. And it's like Mike Tyson and either Buster Douglas or Mike Tyson and Holyfield. It was one of those big fights. And uh, we're looking at all the celebrities in the audience. Like, is that so-and-so? Is that so-and-so? And And somebody who I thought was hilarious goes, is that Angela Lansbury? Like, she would be ringside watching Tyson fight. And I thought that was an awesome choice. So we just tripped trying to one-up who we saw in the crowd. But I couldn't Mm. top Angela Lansbury. So that was a callback to say that the muffin looked like, well, anyway. Okay. Episode 12. Here we go. We are, we've been talking about Solomon. We've talked about... um, the divided kingdoms. Yes, and so how many kingdoms? There's two kingdoms, mm-hmm. the north and the south. Mm-hmm. And the north is called? The Union. <laughs> Wrong country. Wrong time in history. The north is called? How many tribes in the north? Ten. And it's called? The Ten Tribe North. Of Israel. Of Israel. Israel. Israel, yeah. Israel. So Israel. when you're reading in Chronicles and Kings and it says Israel, Israel, it's not talking about everybody. It's not talking about Israel today. It's talking about the 10 tribes that became Israel. Mm-hmm. And they, do you remember the name of the guy who was their first king? Do you remember? Jeroboam. Okay. No, and do you remember, remember his relationship with Solomon? It was his son. No. No, he was a servant. Yeah. He was a yeah, servant. Yeah, yeah. He was assistant to the king. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was the Dwight Schrute. I don't know about that. Okay. And but you know who Dwight Schrute yes. is. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to keep it keep it going. Yeah. And then, I don't the, I don't know a lot about Dwight by Schrute, the way, though, because I'm not into that. <laughs> this is this is where her, there are certain listeners going, she's had enough. <laughs> she's had enough of his antics at this point. All right. South. The Southern Kingdom, mm-hmm. two tribes. Yeah, remember which ones? Benjamin and Judah. And the kingdom was called Judah. Judah, yes. Wow. And do you remember the guy's name who was the king there? 
Rehoboam. Rehoboam. And who, uh, what, are the, what are the chances of that? And who is he? He's uh, Solomon's son. Yes. Okay. So, so God told Solomon, I'm going to take the kingdom from your family, and it's going to go to a servant, but I'll save out this little bit for your son. Rehoboam. Okay. Yeah, and it didn't... You can read in there how the split actually happened. I don't remember all the details. There was some, you know, warring back and forth and between Jeroboam and Rehoboam and the people and people following one, not following the other. But mm-hmm. the end of it was that it turned out like God had said it was going to Jeroboam in the north with the ten, king, ten tribes, and their capital eventually becomes Samaria, okay, and then Rehoboam in the south, okay? You don't hear those names a lot anymore. No, not at all. Jeremy um, and Ray. Jerry and Ray. Can we do that? Can we say Jerry and Ray? Yeah, if you want to say that. They're not kings forever. But yeah, that sounds good. I'm trying to... I was looking at my notes to see. I don't... I might come across this later on, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. What was going on was there was a lot of... When you read through, you'll see there was this this king arose and this and this happened and then this king arose and this and this happens. And sometimes there's a lot of stories and sometimes there's not. Sometimes like there just might be two paragraphs on one guy and sometimes a guy might get a whole bunch of chapters. Okay? But essentially, in the north, they never had a faithful king. Okay? okay. In the South, sometimes they did. Okay. Okay. And how long, how long are we looking at the divide, the, the the two kingdoms? I said that in the last episode, and I don't have those notes right in front of me. But it was like I know it ended in five thirty six BC, okay. five twenty six, five thirty five thirty six, and it starts in. Uh, 931, so almost 400 years. Is that right? Yeah. So, I I mean, we're getting into, you've got the content. I have not peeked over your shoulder. I have not, I don't know where we're going today. But I, and I didn't comment on this before, and I don't know if we need to, but the current conflict that's going on, Mm -hmm. like today. Right now. Israel. Mm -hmm. Palestine. Yeah. Do we talk about that at all? Do we do we make any connection to this divided kingdom that's happening back then to what's happening now or connect the no, dots? No, the connection the connect <clears throat> the connection can kind of be made in the history of Israel overall, okay? okay. Um just it helps anytime you're talking about something's happened with modern day Israel, it helps to understand the history of the Jewish people. And this is part of their history. Okay. In that sense, the actual history of like Palestine and that whole deal. I saw a really good summary of that this week. I actually took a screenshot of my screen when, cause I was watching on the big TV on a, I think it was a YouTube video. And of that through history, which will be information that we bring in, but it's really modern history. One thing that I can say now is from some point that we're not at yet, but let's say from the time of the Roman Empire, which the Roman Empire is in the New Testament, right? So from the time of the Roman Empire, and we'll talk about how we get from here to there as we go forward. Up until the 20th century, there was no land of Israel. Okay. 
So that country was created in the 20th century after World War II. Okay. Okay. And that's where a lot of the modern conflict comes around from that period till now. Okay. Um, although everybody would say it has deeper roots. So in one sense, it does have, you you know, we've already seen in our story how there are people in the land of Canaan that are moved out when they come in. And so there's, there's, there's conflict going on in that area. I mean, all of history, there's conflicts going on. Okay. All right. Um, And I don't want to derail from what we're talking about today. No, that's fine. You held up the history of Israel. Yeah, in and, the timeline, and I was just thinking about you know it's all over the news right now. So I think I have this somewhere to <clears> refer to too, but I'll just go ahead and throw it out, and then we can come back to it. I've mentioned on the podcast before this book, the New Inductive Study Bible, published by Precept Ministries. K. Arthur, um, we'll put a link on the website. That has a lot of good study material in it. There is only one piece of the material in there that is published outside of buying the entire Bible, and that is this fold-out laminated chart that I have in my um, purse. My purse. I carry my purse. No, I don't. I have it in my hand right now. That is called the History of Israel. It does fold down to about the size of like a book, a bulletin, a program, and would fit mm-hmm. in a book. or So it's it's handy to keep. Yeah. But it covers the timeline from the beginning of the books of the Bible, starting mm-hmm. with Genesis, and going all the way up till now. Now it's on the backside. But it's really helpful for this period of the divided kingdom, which is why I keep looking at it, because it, it's easy to look at and get your answers quickly that way. And So we'll talk a little okay. bit more about that. Right. So... There's all of this going on back and forth. You've got these two kingdoms, so it's not united anymore. Um, and one of the questions we talked about last time is how do the people hear from God, right? So this period of history is also the time of the prophets. Okay. Okay. The prophets are sent to the kings of both kingdoms. So we've already interacted with one prophet in our discussion, and that was Nathan talking to David. Okay. Mm-hmm. God speaks to the king and to the people through the Spirit of God coming upon a prophet. So the prophets are the mouthpieces of God. So it would be expected at that time. And a lot of times when you're reading in there, it'll call it the man of God, the prophet of God. And and there's also false prophets that come out during this time too. And a false prophet would be one who's telling the king what he wants to hear rather than what God has. And how did they discern, even at that time, how did they discern a false prophet based on the consequences or the results of his direction? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So... um. So let's talk a little bit about the prophets. So, you know, we were going over the books of the Bible so far, and we're getting up to the point where we're going to come to the books that are called the prophets, okay? And there are many more prophets in the Bible than there are books of the Bible by prophets. I got you. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they appear in the story all the way through Kings and Chronicles. An example, two that come to mind, like Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is a really important prophet that gets talked about a lot. He's mentioned in the New Testament. He's mentioned in a a lot in the traditions of the Hebrew people. He doesn't have a book, but he's talked about 
in that first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Same thing with Elisha. And I'm sure there are others. Those are just two that come to mind. But actually in the Bible, there are 16 prophets who wrote books that are in the Bible. Okay. Um, and they're, they're often referred to as the major prophets and the minor prophets. And I always thought that was like, a, you know, because you would just naturally think that that's because of these are important because they're the major prophets, prophets, and these aren't because they're the minor prophets. But that's not what it is. Oh. It, they're just called major and minor because the ones that are the major have the bigger books. Their books are longer. So that mm-hmm. would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Okay. And then the rest of them are the minor prophets or and Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are all the prophets that are have books in the Bible. Did you say Nehemiah? No. He's not a prophet. No. Okay. Okay. Was that so, a leading question? Because I'm looking for Nehemiah. Yeah, point. well, we're not there yet. Okay. Okay. We might not even get to him this episode. Okay. Oh well. But definitely next episode. I don't know if, if you we don't have told if, me that. If, if we don't make it this episode, why are you so attached to him? I just because I know that that's the next book. No, I don't know why. I'm you just, don't know why you just like it. Just well, isn't like it? The, isn't it? First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Yeah, we're put a pin in it. We're coming back. Okay. Yes, it is. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Okay. And then. We're coming back to what comes after that. Okay. That's where we're living now. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to start looking straight ahead. Why? Because we were positioned right now. I'm starting to feel it in my neck. So when when you're looking at the prophets chronologically, mm -hmm. uh, quite often there's more than one prophet at a particular time. Usually because there's one who's a prophet to the northern kingdom and one who's a prophet to the southern kingdom. But sometimes there can even be two to the same kingdom. And this is where this little chart comes in handy because down here it tells you the prophets to Israel and the prophets to Judah. And you can see that there's more than one at the same time on there, more than one at the same time. Okay. So that's something to remember, too. It's not like you have one and he's gone, then there's another one. Okay. So in thinking about the prophets, what are the prophets saying? Um, Well... They're, uh, they are both foretelling, which is speaking to the current times they're living in. I'm sorry, foretelling, which is speaking to the current times they're living in, and foretelling, which is speaking to the future that'll bring about. Okay. Okay. And my compassion. I would always say that foretelling is the future too. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going to like say, oh, okay, I'm make sure I'm using the right words here. <laughs> It no. is for sure, though, they're speaking to the present and the future. A lot of times we want to think about prophecy as just like telling something about the future. But the point of these guys was to come in and say, like Jonah is considered a prophet. If you know the story of Jonah, he was sent to prophesy to Nineveh that God's going to destroy Nineveh now in, I think he said, 40 days. And yet the mm. people of Nineveh repent and God doesn't do that. Okay. Right. So... So they are speaking to the times. They're like, hey, this needs to happen now. Just like Nathan came to David and said, this is situation. And David repented. But yeah. they're also talking about what's going to happen in the future. I got it. Okay. I and, get what you mean when you say speaking to now. Yeah. And speaking to the future. Yes. Okay. So. So one is telling and one is foretelling. 
something That's what like I'm that. I'm saying, but yeah. I don't know if I'm right. All right. So they have two dominant themes when they're talking judgment and hope. Okay. All right. And judgment, the primary is their primary message to the kings and the people of that time is repent and obey. Obey God, honor him alone, or God is going to take your land from you and remove you from the land. We've heard that before, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Where'd we hear that? Uh, with um, the quizzes, the quizzes. We were just talking about it. Yeah, it was with uh, Solomon. Yeah. And then Solomon. He turned his back. He, he turned, he allowed his wives mm. to influence him. He built idols to foreign gods. He said, okay, your son's not going to inherit the land. So it was kind, that was kind of an in-between piece. It's like, okay, I'm not completely kicking you out. I'm saying we're going to divide it in two, and, but, but here we go. That's where they're headed. And so the prophets are speaking this to the kings and saying, turn. And then their message of hope is one, the prophets are beginning to spell out God's plan for the future introducing the idea of a Messiah or Redeemer or Savior, the one who will perfectly complete the promises that have been made to Abraham, Moses, and David Hmm. by providing a perfect sacrifice for sin, restoring a remnant of Israel, and including all the nations, which in the Bible we're talking about ethnicities. Okay? So we're starting to hear in the prophets... Things about a redeemer, things about a savior, a messiah, a future that includes everybody, a future that includes a way to be redeemed forever rather than continually making sacrifices at the temple. So so those of us who are believers in Christ and who see his story throughout the Bible, starting at creation, going all the way through, can go back and find things in books before this that are indicators, road signs, pointers to Jesus. I think we talked about in Genesis, the um, did we talk about this in Genesis 1, where the curse and he, then God says to Satan, that one of Eve's offspring will crush his head and he will bruise your you will bruise his heel. Do you remember that? Did we talk yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, we did. Okay, so that's an, that is a reference to Jesus right there at the very beginning of the Bible, right? But what's happening with the prophets is they're starting to spell it out. Okay. They're starting to talk about like okay, God's got a way to fulfill this. Like yes, you're going to you're going to get kicked out of the land if you guys don't turn around. And a lot of the prophets write even after they're kicked out of the land, although we haven't talked about that yet. And during that period, we haven't talked about them getting kicked out yet. But during that period, they're saying there's hope. There's hope. Okay, there's judgment, but there's hope. So just putting that out there, that that's that this is starting to happen. Um, when you're reading the prophets, it can be confusing because all of these things are being talked about all together. So it's not like you just read it up and say, okay, now we're going to talk about what's going to happen in the future. And now we're talking about what's going to happen tomorrow if you don't straighten up. And now we're talking about what happened in the past. And now we're talking about what's going to happen in 100 years. But now we're talking about what's going to happen in 2,000 years. And there's not those markers in there. It's all in there together. So a lot of times it can be confusing. And then plus, when you're reading the prophets, you're not reading chronologically. You're going through just reading a book and then reading another book and reading another book. So you got to figure out where they fit in the story. So that's a great thing about the reading plan that you're doing is because when you're reading 
Kings, you're actually stopping when you get to a prophet and going over and reading that prophet and coming back. Have you done that yet? Almost. Not there yet. Yeah. Well, so, you talked about the prophets trying to trying to figure out what they're prophesying. Okay. What you just said yeah. about different, it could be different time frames that they're prophesying toward. Are there prophets that have pros- prophesied in the Old Testament of the, would you say, 14 books? Yeah, or 16, something like that. That may be talking about something that hasn't happened yet? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it's like, but it could be just two sentences after something that already has happened. Right. So you, you, it's really something that you read and study over time familiarize yourself with and the more familiar you become with the overall story the easier it is to discern that but i can't say that it's ever easy you know some of it stays really complicated and then they have visions and dreams and that's like like one of the things that comes to mind a lot of a lot of people are familiar with the ezekiel and the dry bones like does that does that ring any bells for you? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I, I've more in spirituals and music. Exactly. So like these these bones, these bones, these dry bones. That's one of the ones. There's several lots of songs mm-hmm. written about that. So, but that's a vision that Ezekiel has. Okay, so it's not you can't just pick that up and say, oh, that's what this means. But in light of the whole story, you start seeing the meaning because when you start fitting the pieces together, oh, okay. That's that's going to help with that. We haven't told the whole story yet, but I'm just saying that's kind of what's happening when you're going through the prophets. So do you know what the word eschatology is? It's okay. You don't have to no, know. Wait, I'm thinking. Is it the study of? You got your ology there. The eschatology. Christian eschatology. Mm-hmm. It's the study of the end times. Okay. So when you're talking about end times in Christian theology, quite often much of it comes from the prophets. Right. Which are in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But it also is put together with the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Paul in the New Testament, the book of Revelation in the New Testament. But there's a lot in the Old Testament. And so I grew up in a tradition where we didn't talk about eschatology very much. We didn't talk about end times very much. And so when I first started looking at it and studying it, I was surprised how much of it was in the Old Testament, how much of it was coming from this period in time of the prophets. Prophecies about the things in the present, the future, and an explanation of the past. A lot of times mm-hmm. they're explaining what's happened in the past. So... God is really making a big step here at this point in our history story of revealing the whole picture. Through the prophets. Yeah. Eschatology, what I just made up in my head, which may be right, end times, escape. Ah. Same root word, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. So if you take a Bible, I don't know if we... I have this one, but it's got a lot of study notes in it. Yeah, mine's not handy. Yeah, but if you look at... Okay, so like I'm just going to look at the prophets here. If you start with the... If you look at the portion of the book, the Bible, that's the prophets, it's a huge section. It's maybe even like a third of the whole thing. Okay. 
So that's like that's pretty important, right? Yeah. And yet I would think it's that one of the areas that the average person or even the average Christian is the least familiar with. Which Probably. Would you know, like yeah. So yeah. So Well they don't do they teach a lot like you think about people growing up in Sunday school. You talk about the flood, you talk David and Goliath, you talk about Jonah and the fish. What about prophets? Well, well Jonah, Jonah was Jonah's, a prophet. A prophet. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that there's that many more. Like, I remember, I think I remember in Sunday school, like, a, it's Elisha with the widow who was out of bread, and he shows up and tells her to take a little bit, and it turns into bread and has enough for her and her son, and... Do you remember that story yeah. at all? That's a prophet story. Oh, another one that comes up is, we've mentioned this before about crossing the Jordan, Elijah and the chariots mm-hmm. being taken up by the chariots mm-hmm. into heaven. God takes them away. So that's one. But like Isaiah, Jeremiah, oh my gosh, Jeremiah had these awful things. When you're reading that, he had awful things happen to him. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, so it's kind of, it's sort of deep. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's sort of a deep thing, but yet so much of the Bible. And I, I just, that kind of stands out at me. Okay. So back to the story. That was a little bit about what's going on. And that happens throughout this whole part of the divided kingdom. There's prophets that are sent to the kings to tell them, repent, and to the people, repent, obey. God's going to take away the, the land. There's hope for the future, but this is what's happening and all that's going on. Okay. So what actually happens is the people refuse to turn to God and worship him. And mm, shocker. Yeah. Seems to be a habit, doesn't it? And eventually he allows the other political powers to come over and take over their land. So eventually they are kicked out. So this is really when the first time to me, it's like loud and clear that the Bible starts intersecting with what we would call world history or secular history. Okay. Okay, because there arises an empire called the Assyrian Empire, and it is the largest empire to that point in history. Okay. Okay, and and the Assyrian Empire is exists from 783 BC to 512 BC. In some form or another. Okay, probably not in that strength that whole time. Yeah, but that date doesn't seem exactly right to me. I have to relook at that. But anyway, this the Assyrian Empire arises and this is strong power. And um the I don't know why this note ended up right here. I'm sorry about that. It's it's back to that if we if we look at the Bible and look at the way that God is talking about what the Bible says about these kings as we come to each one of them, it says the Bible speaks of each king as he walked in all the sins of his father and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God like the heart of his father David. Or he so that's kind of like one thing. Or the Bible will say something like he did what was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father had, was wholly devoted to the Lord of all of his days. So it's like it keeps going back. Referring to David, mm-hmm. which we know David wasn't perfect, but his heart was focused on God and he was repentant and seeking God. So there's that. So the kings, each king is described as either he's seeking God or he's not seeking God. Okay. 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 And um, so we then refer to him as bad kings and good kings. And so I said before, the northern kingdom really never has a good king. There's not a king there who's fully seeking God. Okay. Okay. And 
um, they immediately began to worship idols from their forming. From the beginning, they set up idols to other gods, set up what they call high places, Mm -hmm. which were altars to other gods. So um, in 722 B.C., God allows Israel to be taken by the Assyrians, conquered by the Assyrian king Shalmaneser V. Okay, I don't know that it says his name in the Bible, but... That's what history says. The ten tribes of Israel were exiled to Upper Mesopotamia and Medes, today modern Syria and Iraq. So the way the Assyrians dealt, they were bad people. They came in and took the people out of the land. So it wasn't just that a conquering power took over, which is more our 20th century idea of conquering. They Mm -hmm. actually transported the people out. Okay, so into what today would be modern Syria and Iraq. So so world history today specifically talks about those 10 tribes. Well, it talks about Assyria mm-hmm. and the capturing Israel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and and taking them into exile. So, looking back at the history of Israel timeline, I want to talk a little bit about this handout and and I'll link to it because this what it has it has this this the center line that goes are the books of the Bible, mm-hmm. okay. But then above and below it'll say, okay, here's the kings during that time for the northern kingdom, for the southern kingdom. Those are lines, and then there's a line for the prophets to the north and the prophets to the south. And this is so handy when you're reading the Bible or you're trying to see the whole scope of history during this time because mm-hmm. you can look and see, oh, Jeremiah was a prophet when this was happening. Oh, Isaiah was a prophet when this was happening. Elijah was to this kingdom, was to that kingdom. Oh, Syria was in power during this time. Assyria was in power during this time. Okay, goes on that way. So it's it's really a handy thing to have around and be able to see that. Okay, um, so the northern kingdom falls in 722, and those are gone. So you're just left with the southern kingdom. Okay, and. Sometimes having a good king, sometimes having a bad king. So Kay Arthur, in her major events in history timeline, which is in this book, um, says, Although the southern kingdom, Judah, was warned by the prophets of God that they too would go into captivity if they did not repent of their disobedience and idolatry, Judah did not listen. In 605 B.C., just before Nebuchadnezzar became king of Babylon... He attacked Jerusalem and took the king and some of his nobles captive to Babylon. Among them was Daniel. Okay, what do we know about Daniel? Anything? I mean, we haven't talked about him yet, but what do you know about Daniel? Prophet. Yeah. Do we know any stories about him? Lion's Den. Yes. And there's another one, the fiery furnace. Okay. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were Daniel's friends. Okay. Okay. But that happened in exile. So that happened in Babylon, and the lion's den was in Babylon, and Daniel was in that first group that was taken out of the southern kingdom in 605 B.C. Okay. Okay, so that's placing that in history. Now, then um, in 597 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar... Now, we're talking about Babylon now, not Assyria, okay? So Babylon... Is eventually ends up overtaking Assyria, and Babylon becomes the next world power. Okay. Okay. In 597, Nebuchadnezzar again attacked Judah, and this time taking about 10,000 captives to Babylon. And Ezekiel was among them. So Ezekiel's vision, that dry bones vision, is while they're in exile. 
That's a vision of hope of those dry bones being re resurrected and, and coming back to life. Okay. Babylon is now the predominant world power having conquered Assyria. Um, and then in 586 BC conquered Judah. So, so the first group that Daniel was in was taken in 605. They're still not repenting. In 597, the next group was taken, which was in Ezekiel. And then in 586, which sounds to me like it's just like 9 or 11, I can't do the math backwards, years later, um, conquered Judah and destroyed not only the city of Jerusalem, but the temple built by Solomon during his reign over Israel. So what had God said was going to happen if they didn't repent? It would... They would not inherit the land. They They'd be taken out of the land, the land and the temple would be destroyed. Because he told Solomon back, that's what we talked about last time. I think it's just one episode back. He told Solomon that if this doesn't happen, I will destroy this house. That Solomon just built and consecrated to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there it is. Okay? And an important... So I've taught this a lot, and a lot of times I'll just say, Assyrian captured... Assyria captured the northern kingdom, and then Babylon became the world power. Babylon captured the, the southern kingdom, and what God said had happened, okay? But it's important. The prophets stress that these events are not historical accidents. They didn't just happen. They are acts of God's judgment in fulfillment of his word to them when he inaugurated the covenant at the time of Moses. So way back at the time, when, with Moses, this is what happens with, if you obey and you serve me and you do those ten, ten commandments, first one being no other, no other gods before me and don't bow down to idols, don't make mm -hmm. idols, don't worship false gods. Amos, who's also a prophet, in chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, Because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees, because they have been led astray <clears throat> by false gods, the gods their ancestors followed... I will send fire upon Judah that will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Okay? So he says, I'm going to send fire. He's using the Babylonians to do it. They are not to think that Jerusalem has been defeated because God is less powerful than the Babylonian gods. So God's saying this to say it's not because I'm less powerful than the Babylonian gods. He's still in control. He has been at work through the Babylonians carrying out the judgment he has promised. Okay, and then you see that throughout. There's lots of times when you hear that. So the people of Israel and Judah, the Hebrews, are now exiled from the land and God's temple is destroyed. And this time period is called the exile. And where are they exiled to? Throughout the a lot of them to Babylon, which was a city in the Babylonian Empire. But kind of throughout, like we just heard those tribes of Israel went to Syria, what is now Syria and Iraq. They're throughout the okay. region. They're dispersed. A lot of times this is called uh, the diaspora. The great disperse. Yeah, they're they're dispersed. Okay. Um, yeah, so if we're looking at the cards to help us do this, our last card I think we got to at the, the end of divided kingdom. of 11 was the divided kingdom. So the next card is the prophets mm -hmm. where we've talked about what their role was. And then the Assyrian empire <clears throat> arises and then the Northern kingdom, which is Israel, the kingdom of Israel falls to the Assyrian empire and then the Babylonian, Babylonian empire. And if you get confused about those, it's a B 
Assyrian, Babylonian. Babylonian Empire rises, and then the southern kingdom of Judah falls. Okay. And then the temple is destroyed. So, keep going, but I have a question back to... Um, uh, the divided kingdom... I'm throwing the cards out where he can see them. Northern Kingdom, Assyrian Empire. The pro- oh, the prophets. My question is, we have a card for the prophets. Is that is that for all prophets? It, all the prophets in that, that period, that which is the majority. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Because of the role that prophecy played at this time. Okay. We don't really hear much about prophets before this time. We have that one, David speaking. But this... The way, okay, you remember the question I said, how did the people hear from God? Mm -hmm. And then we said it was, you know, through Moses. And through some people sometimes. And and so now who are they hearing from God through? The prophets. Yes. So they're the mouthpiece of God through this time period. So even though the card is after the divided kingdom, it applies during all of the Assyrian and Babylonian. yes. And as we move destroyed. as we move forward in history through the eyes of fate, there will be more and more cards or hooks or whatever we want to call it that we talk about that apply throughout a section. It gets harder and harder for everything to be straight up chronological. Right. right. So okay. we're, at the, we're at the temple being destroyed. So the temple's being destroyed. And so that is in, what do we say? Uh, I have to look back over my notes. Was it 597? 586. So, you got that whole, the divided kingdom started. Don't have a date right here in front of me. Was it 900, we said? Mm-hmm. So that, now, several hundred years later, it's ended because, not because it's united, but because it is no more. Yeah. And the people are dispersed in what we call the exile. The Not exile. to be confused with the exodus. Right. Two different words. And so the exile is the, is the time period for the people to be dispersed. No longer exist and the temple's destroyed. So what was the purpose of the temple? To hear God speak and for him to live there. It was it was a dwelling place for God, and then what else was it? What was it used for? What for, happened for there? For worship and for, um, you know, we never talked about worship or communication. What did we talk about? What happened in all the laws? What happens there? It's not like oh, go there and God will communicate with you. There was nothing said about somebody speaking or teaching or what happened there at the temple. What was it all about? What happened at the tabernacle out in the wilderness? What was it that they were to do there? <laughs> I'm supposed to know this. You're looking at me and I'm like, <laughs> I, I have no idea. Listen to God? No. Follow God? How did they atone for their sins? Oh, sacrifice. Yes. It was all about the sacrifice. That was the purpose. When mm-hmm. Moses was around, it was the place that God would meet with Moses. But once Moses is gone, there's not somebody going there to talk to God. They're going there to make sacrifices so that they can stay in relationship with God. Right. Okay. So this constant, that's what it was supposed to all be about was sacrifices. And I think there's a lot of question of how much during that time between Moses and now when it's destroyed, were they actually doing that? 
Because hmm. because like there's one story during the Kings and Chronicles, and I don't know if you got to it yet, where one of the kings finds the Torah and didn't even know it existed and didn't even know they were supposed to be doing that and does kind of a whole clean in house things and starts all over. Hmm. Okay. So there's not a lot of evidence that, that this was ever really working. Okay. Right, right. Cause they're just kind of following whatever God comes along and then trying to be pulled back and then following every, you know, and God says enough. But now that the temple's destroyed, there's no, they can't bring sacrifices to God anymore. And they're in exile. And they're in exile. Okay? So separated from Jerusalem and their temple, the exiles establish synagogues as a means of preserving their faith. Now, where have we heard of synagogues, or where have you heard of synagogues? Well, a, a Jewish church. That's what we think of. Yeah. But But where, okay. In have the you, Bible? Well, like, uh, let me ask you, have you heard the word synagogue used in contemporary? Like, have you heard a Jewish friend say, I'm going to synagogue? Or, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then in the Bible, where do we hear about them? In the New Testament. In the New Testament, and what's happening? Like, what's the context of synagogues in the New Testament? Oh, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. Right. So Jesus would go, and then Paul would too. Paul would go teach in the synagogue. Well, the thing to realize, before the exile, they never existed. There was, there was no teaching place. There was this temple where he made sacrifices mm -hmm. to, to do all that stuff that was in the code. There mm -hmm. wasn't. And so I find this very interesting because you just assume that that's always happened, that that's part of Judaism, but it's, it hasn't been. It was during this time of the exiles, the synagogues became centers of learning and worship where the Jews read from the law and the prophets, prayed, and delivered messages. Does that kind of sound like something we know? Yeah, church. Yeah, so like when you say that's the Jewish church, that's why. But really, if you look at it on a timeline, it seems more like church was modeled after the synagogue, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So... I think the important thing to remember is they weren't studying the law and teaching it to each other before the exile. I see. Yeah. Like, like maybe they should have been because the law tells them to teach it to your children. So I guess if there was a faithful Jew, they would teach it. But I don't, they didn't have they didn't all have copies of the Torah. So these copies were then brought or during the exile, and then they created these centers of learning where, where they would be taught and they would study and a message would be given, okay? Men trained in writing who recorded events and decisions were called scribes. Okay. They assumed the responsibility of copying, preserving, and even teaching the Word of God in the synagogues. All right. And by the New Testament times, the scribes were considered experts in interpreting and teaching the law and referred to as lawyers. Hmm. Okay. And where are you reading from? I'm reading from K. Arthur's History of the People of Israel. Okay. So already those two words, if you're reading in the New Testament, those two words would say... Um, we are familiar with the word scribes. We read about scribes and when yeah. Jesus was here and a scribe said this and a scribe said that. And then we read about lawyers. A lawyer questioned him. Mm -hmm. So once again, the definitions of that would be the men trained in writing who recorded events and decisions were called scribes. 
Mm-hmm. So they were keeping records, and they assumed the responsibility of they assumed the responsibility of copying, preserving, and even teaching the word of God in synagogues. So the scribes were the teachers, the copiers, the preservers. They kept up with the word, and they recorded everything, and they taught it to other people. And by New Testament times, the scribes were considered experts in interpreting and teaching the law, and were referred to as lawyers. So a lawyer was like now we think of a lawyer as a secular thing who knows the law of the country when we're reading about a lawyer in the new testament it's someone who knows the law of moses got it and 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 teaches it um so the role of the priest was not a teacher like we want to make the priest like the pastor and usually in churches the pastor teaches and preaches the priest is not teaching, but his job was at the temple to offer the sacrifices. From the family of Levi. Yes. They were descendants of Levi, or were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, as the law said. Okay. So have, so the people, they experienced firsthand the cursings of disobedience. <clears throat> Following the cursings of disobedience. How did they experience that firsthand? They were exiled in out of the land. That God had promised in the book of Deuteronomy. If you don't obey, this is what's going to happen. And the exiled Jews, because they'd experienced it firsthand, they seemed to gain a new respect and appreciation for the word of God. Okay. Because they're in exile and they're like, oh my gosh, this really did happen. They saw that God meant what he said and would not alter it even for his covenant people. Okay. So they were taking it. So it's a season of learning. Yeah, and because they were forced into it, it's, for it's like cold. when you have a tragedy in your life and it forces you to look at things in a different way because you don't have the option to go back to the way you were looking at it, like losing a job mm-hmm. or I don't know what would be another one where there's a big shift and you're like, okay, well, I got to do this this way. Mm-hmm. Losing an income or, or your um, inheritance changing or... Uh, I guess, like, this is an awful thing to say, but, like, losing a spouse or being engaged and then not being engaged. You know, it's like a change in, like, okay, I'm going to reevaluate things because this is the way I thought my life was going to work, and now it's not. And so the thing is, this had been prophesied, and God had been telling them about it from the beginning. If you do this, this is what happens. If you don't do this, this is what happens. And now they're like, that really did happen. So maybe we should go back. go back and learn. Yes. And listen. So that this, yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's a, a, a cool way to look at it. And one other thing I want to add in here, it was sometime after the kingdom was divided and Judah went into captivity that the exiles became known as the men of Judah or Jews. Interesting. So the name Jews comes during the exile, referred to by the people in exile like where they were as belonging to Judah, the men of Judah, the Jews. Interesting. Yeah. Did they spell it J-U apostrophe S? Mm, not in my notes, J-E-W-S, but I don't yeah. know how it was spelled back then. Well, if Judah, if they're the men of Judah, yeah, they could have been the Judds, <laughs> which... Which is a That's, whole nother thing. Yes. You know, I think we went a whole episode without talking about a musical act, and so this one is The Judds. The Judds. Yeah, people even remember who that was. Who, The Judds? Mm-hmm. Sure they do. 
A lot of our listening audience, as we've been seeing, is between 20 and 30 years old. Hmm. They know who Ashley Judd is. Yes, and how is she related to the the Judds? She's Winona's sister. And who's Winona? Winona is Ashley's sister. And who's their mama? (laughs) Their mama's Naomi Judd. Naomi and Winona Judd had a group, mother-daughter group, in the 80s and 90s. And they still do. Country music. They sing, Mama, he's crazy. Yep. Crazy over me. And then, you know, the big thing I remember, I've never been a big country music listening to. I had a period in my life, a short one, mm-hmm. like a summer, when I listened to country music nonstop. What's, what, I want to know what year. By the way, we're wrapping up. I know. Mom and dad lived in Florida. In summer of 90, summer of 87. And I didn't have a kid yet. So it was somewhere between 87 and 90. Okay. Because I just remember being at their pool with the sound system playing and country music 24-7. Tim was so over it because I was mm. just like country music 24-7. Yeah. But that other than that, but the thing I remembered about the judges, you couldn't tell which one was the mother by looking at them. Yeah. They, that was. I'm, I think still. Naomi dated Elvis at one point. <gasps> Probably. That um, Naomi Is dated. it my mic doing that? Yeah, I've got this XLR needs to be adjusted. Um, Winona, uh, you know, they live out in Leaper's Fork. Mm. Winona does. I, Naomi, I guess, does too. I don't know where they live, but I know that Winona does. Is Ashley still in town? On occasion. I was in an elevator with her not too long ago. Well, yeah. several years ago. I don't know. I'm Have gonna, we gonna, talked about that we're in Nashville or we just assume that everybody knows that? I don't think we've ever said it. Yeah, we talk about Nashville a lot. Yes, we're in Nashville. We're in Nashville. So two Judd stories, and then we'll wrap it. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, we're in exile, and we've got the yes. synagogues, and we've got the first reference of the word Jews, Yes, which is what has segued me to say Judds, Yes, because they were of the, the, the men of Judah, mm-hmm. and they went with Jews, which I think they could have gone with Judds. But anyway... <laughs> um, so I say five years ago, six years ago, I'm shopping out in Leapers Fork, which is outside of Nashville, outside of Franklin, Tennessee. And there's Winona shopping too. And uh, we're talking in the um, little art gallery shop. She's like commenting on something. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. And she says, hi, I'm Y, or, or whatever. I think she might even say Winona, but she said, I'm Y. And I said, hi. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I know who you are. And you know that I know who you are. But it's kind that you're introducing yourself. So that's the one on the story. It's not a big one. She was nice. And, but I was in a, um, when one of my kids was having a, a ear, nose, and throat doctor thing going on, and I was meeting them at the clinic, uh, and um, I'm by myself. I go in, get on the elevator, and uh, there's a lady on the elevator, and we go, and another lady's on the elevator, and I'm looking, and I'm like, that is Ashley Judd on the elevator. And it goes up the floor, and there's me, another woman, and Ashley Judd. The other woman gets off, and I get off the elevator too. And I turned to her, and I'm like, you see who that was? That was Ashley Judd. She goes, what? I'm like, yeah, no way, it's Ashley Judd. And then I realized I was supposed to still be on the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> I just got off to tell the other lady who that was. And we're like, I could still be on, on the elevator. With I was her supposed to by go. yourself, t- having a conversation. And I don't think she was in the mood for a conversation. Oh. 
Uh, but she recently hurt herself on a trip. Oh, like a couple months ago. Sorry to hear that. She hurt her leg really bad, like out in the Congo or something. Oh my! And they had to like somehow get her to safety, and I think she's still recovering from that. Wow. In the midst of that story, when mm-hmm. you were talking about meeting, she said, hey, I'm why. Mm-hmm. You have got to tell a story about your friend <laughs> who makes a living doing music during COVID when he was shopping <laughs> at oh, yeah. the grocery store. Because we Do have told that, that so many times. Do yes. I tell it now? Yes, it is so funny. Okay. I'm not going to say his name. No. Even though he probably would want to be telling it right now himself. Right. So I got a friend who's a musician, been a very successful musician, uh, makes his living uh, leading writing music. Um, but I mean, he's not a household name by any means. I mean, in some circles, people know who he yes. is. But um, he's got a specific niche of music. And he's got a lot of connections. He knows a lot of people in the right, industry. Right, 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 Well. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. He knows some big names well. Well. So he's... So it wouldn't be a no- unusual for a big name to know him. Right. Right. Right, right, right. Don't, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Don't tell too much. I'm not. I'm just making, I'm just setting it yeah, up. Yeah, no, it's the wrong setup. Sorry. So anyway, my buddy started doing, uh, during uh, quarantine, he started doing um, uh, Instacart. So you go and you do grocery shopping. Like he was actually doing yeah, that he, to make money. Yeah, he was doing that to make money, doing Instacart. And he was doing well at it, getting up early, hitting it. Going, learning all the people at the grocery stores, learning how to do it, making a lot of money, good money. <clears throat> so he's doing Instacart one day, and he sees this guy, and my friend knows everybody. I mean, he's so friendly. And he sees this guy, and he recognizes him, and the guy recognizes him, and he goes, hey. He said, hey, uh, how you doing? He goes, I'm good, man. How are you? He goes, I'm good. How you? So uh, they just start small talking in the grocery store, and uh, he goes, are you are you in music? He goes, yeah, I am. And he goes, I, I know you look familiar. And he goes, uh, are you doing Instacart? You know, trying to make ends meet. And he goes, no, nah, I'm just doing my own shopping. He's like, yeah, man. I said, all my gigs have canceled. My friend, all my gigs have canceled. So I'm doing Instacart. You know, you got to pay the bills. He goes, yeah, I know. So uh, his name was David, the guy that he met or that he ran into. Okay. Let me interrupt. When you told me, you said that your friend said, hey, you look familiar to me. And David said, you, you look, look familiar, familiar to me, me too. too. Yeah, exactly. That okay. did happen. Okay. That did happen. Okay. They, they, they. That had, was his response. He didn't say, I know you. He just said, Hey, you look familiar to me. You look familiar to me too. And David said, You look familiar to me too. Right. So my friend says his name. And then David says, I'm David. And they continue to talk. And my friend says, Are you doing Instacart? And he goes, No, I'm by my own. He goes, Yeah, well, you know, gigs canceled. So then they have the small talk and they, they go their separate ways. So then my friend goes down the next aisle, and maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, it hits him. He was talking to one of the members of Lady A, the country group. (laughs) David. And he has a good friend that wrote one of Lady A's number one songs. Mm -hmm. And he calls me. He said, let me just make sure. Is the guy in Lady A named David? He goes, yeah. He goes, oh, my gosh. I just asked him if he was doing Instacart. <laughs> and you know what made me think of that? <laughs> I love the story. What made me think of it was because she said, hi, I'm why. Because the, the discussion that Tim and I have had since you told us that story is that, okay, 
here you are, this recognizable face, right? But people might not remember from where they recognize you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got to have a comeback. You've got to have when they say, hey, you look familiar to me, or do I know you, or have you been in a movie, or, you know, whatever they're going to say. It's like, what's your comeback? And we think it's so great because we think David's comeback is, you look familiar to me too. That is a good comeback, whether he meant but, it or not. Yeah. So it's like, <clears throat> yeah, when you say you look familiar, oh, you look familiar to me too. That's a really nice comeback without having to say, if you're not like Winona, that you just want to be out there, this is who I am. Yeah. You would like to keep some <clears throat> privacy or you don't want to have to go, oh, yeah, you've probably seen my band. Oh, really? What's your band? Because that happened to Tim in the line. Somebody said, oh, I used, yeah, I used to, the people were having a conversation in front of him. And the the guy said something about, yeah, I play guitar or yeah, I like that instrument or somehow it came out that he knew rock music. And this other girl said, oh, really? Do you play? And he said, yeah. And she's like, oh, oh, what do you, he's like, well, I was in a band and, and I think he was in sticks and the girl didn't know what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah. And Tim wanted to tap in on the shoulder, like, can I have your autograph? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I was in this band um, called The Eagles. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like that. So we figure you got to be, you got to have a comeback. Well, and that, we thought, that is a good one. You look familiar to me too. But but my friend, people would know. He would he look. He would, Because yeah. David might meet him somewhere. But um, yeah, he wasn't it, doing Instacart that day. No. <laughs> no. It didn't get that rough. Um, but that is the kind of thing that happens in Nashville. Yeah, a lot. Where you see people and. You don't recognize who they we are. We went to, we've been here for decades. Mm-hmm. And when we first got here, sometime in the first year, we went to movie and the Statler brothers were sitting behind us. I tell you, this is one of my favorite. I mean, I've seen a lot of celebrities in town, not huge names, but it's been cool to see, you know, when I, when I saw Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman at a sushi restaurant, you know, that's kind of a big deal because Nicole Kidman, it's not really a Nashville name. But one of my favorite celebrity sightings that I swear happened. It was either when my oldest, who's sitting across from me now, was being born, or one of the others. So I'm going to say it was at least 22, 20, 22 years ago. It had to be that long ago. And this was back when there was a Tower Records on West End. Tower Records being store. a music yes. store, big yes. music store. Yeah. And I would go in there a lot. And you just thumb through the CDs or you look at movies or whatever. They probably still had vinyls back then, too. Oh, yeah, they did. Well, I don't know. They were really moving to CDs. It was all about the CDs. And I'd taken a break from being at the hospital, and I'm just at Tower Records, just going to spend some time, and I'm looking. And I'm combing through the CDs, and you know how the bends, if you're on the aisle over, someone could be looking towards you. Mm Mm-hmm. So the person that's on the aisle over looking through CDs with the ball cap on was freaking Garth Brooks. <laughs> and I'm like, is no one seeing this right now? Like one of the biggest names ever is just right there thumbing through some and that, CDs. That's back during Entertainer of the Year years, right? Um, may, well, maybe. maybe. This is 22 years ago. Yeah. I mean, he may have won it, but yeah. he was it was prime. Like his 90s was just huge. Uh, same thing happened with Kenny Chesney one time. I was at a diner, and he didn't have his hat on. He just had his shaved head. So very unrecognizable. No cowboy hat, no ba- baseball cap. Just came in. He's sitting up at the bar at this diner, and I'm having a, like a lunch meeting or something. I'm like, you know that's Kenny Chesney right over there, right? That's why. It's pretty fun. It's cool. 
Yeah, and so I'll, I'll tell one last celebrity story. Okay. So it, it's very common in Nashville, and what's really cool about it also is like people don't make a big deal. Like it's no. just there. We were at a restaurant back in around the 2000s when the Titans made their trip to the Super Bowl, and we were eating this fairly upscale restaurant in a fairly upscale part of town, okay? Mm-hmm. And I won't say which, but two Titans players walked in, mm-hmm. and everybody turned, and everybody started whispering, and it just like this whole, like what you would think would happen that never happens with these big recording music, or yeah. artists is like the world came to a stop because here come the Titans. So we talk about that a lot, how it was such a completely different reaction yeah, to these major yeah, sports stars. Athletes. Of course, they were ours, you know, so that yeah. was a big deal too. Well, you did, you what you did just there, you went full circle. We started the podcast mm-hmm. with saying Joe Namath. Oh, and we're back. And we're back to probably Eddie George and Steve McNair. No, it was uh, Frank Wycheck and the kicker. What was his name? Um, Al um, Del Greco. Al Del Greco. Yep. Oh, we didn't pull that out. All right. <laughs> well, that's episode 12. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Brought to you by One Thing Only. Find us online at onethingonly.org. Click on History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast for more information, reference material, our social media links, as well as a way to contact us to leave questions or comments. We will soon be streaming on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review. Thanks again for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast.